that name that's right it's the Genevieve Rice who was a nominee for Best Phoenician to follow on Twitter a while back from NC <laughs> Central. Yeah it's also a third place in a Best Comic in Tulsa in 2007. I didn't research that that far that's crazy. <laughs> thought I'd heard that name before. That's awesome. Okay um, so that's a, that's a good place to start with. So you came here from Oklahoma so how long were you performing in Oklahoma before you moved out there? About a year and a half actually. Yeah, it was. Uh, I started about 2007 in Oklahoma City, um, where the scene was maybe about 20 comics. Um, wow, that's intimate. Yeah, it, it really was. Yeah, you could. You, I mean, it was really good though. Like we all pretty much caught along, which is amazing. For <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was it like a lot of venues, or was it pretty much just the same? Oh, right. <laughs> no, it was. Um, it was like Al's Roadhouse, like open mic on Wednesdays. I mean, we there was. Um, we, well, the first thing we ever did was uh, there was an Italian restaurant named Fellows in Norman, uh, which is a college town, um, that would give us, I think we got like seven to ten minutes, which is amazing. Wow, yeah, that's that not bad at all for starting off. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was really great. So um, I did that, and, um, and then we had a club, uh, the Looney Bin, that would let us do. <laughs> I love comedy club names so much. <laughs> Oh man, uh, it's no, it's no rooster teeth feathers. <laughs> but uh, uh, they they give us like four minutes every other week. Like if you went up one week, you can go up the next week. So and then we had um, poetry open mics that we could crash. Oh really? So they didn't didn't even care. Like okay. some of them cared, but but I mean, like the poets probably cared a lot more than like the people. I feel you go up and like you're burying your soul in like a very deep like the poem. The next person comes up, he's like. People in college towns, man. <laughs> I don't know. That's cool. Okay, so you found some outlets around you. You guys got kind of made them work. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, so basically, I did that. I moved here in 2008, and uh, I kind of got integrated in the scene, um, which was hard. I like when you first get into a scene, it's always very difficult because you people comics really aren't friendly to you until they've seen you before. So did you like? Hold off at all, or did you immediately so kind of jump uh, in trying to find the spot? I moved here in, in May, and there's nothing else to do. So I had <laughs> I had no job at the time, really, uh, and so I had no choice but to jump in. Did you go watch shows a couple first? Like, yeah, yeah, I watched I watched a couple shows. Uh, one of the notable ones was uh, Hidden House, which was uh, a big player in film just a couple years ago. Well, unfortunately, it closed, but. Um, that was the first show I ever saw, and, uh, and then I asked for time, and they were a little weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's your first time? I'm like, I've been doing it for a while. I have a whole five minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, is, that yeah. a, is that a weird like vibe? I guess like setting up and like asking someone for five minutes of their time. And, I don't know. It seems like an interesting like 
just ex- existentially, I just mean, like it's up five minutes of your time to come up and do whatever. Yeah, um, comic, you 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 do re- yeah, you meet a lot of people that just are, are well-meaning that don't understand what you do, like all the time. So you're kind of like constantly like on guard, which I mean is is fair. Like I mean, you, do, you don't you don't need to be mean about it. Nobody was really mean, like, no, you can't perform me. They're just kind of like, I, you can tell that, like, they're they're on guard. Like, they, they want to make sure you, you get it, you know? Do you feel like you're kind of guilty of the same things, like, for people coming in now, or? Yeah, some, I mean, I don't know. I'm Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, do you guys want to do anything else right now, or? Um, I'm good right now. Getting served some, some drinks? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to not ordering alcohol while I'm doing the show. I don't know if my listeners realize that. But. Um, okay, so you, I mean, do you feel like you try, you are actively trying to not be with that. I mean, part of it is, um, I mean, running running a festival. You do kind of we we run a festival and then kind of part of the year we have something where we um, we have like a contact form for out of town comics where we can connect them with uh, with some in town gigs. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of like you get people that are like experienced headliners that will message you and say, "Okay, I'd like to do these places, and this is this is my video, and like this is kind of what I'm looking for." You get that, and you get people that are like first timers, and you like, I don't know. I do have like kind of different advice for first timers. Like I, I'm I'm very accepting. I you know I, I really, you need a little encouragement to get on stage, so I tell them. And I'm kind of jumping around because I want to go back to like mm-hmm. how you're you transitioning in, but you bring up an interesting thing, which is one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you specifically so badly is that you transitioned from not just being a performer, but to be a producer. Like mm-hmm. you are now like someone who helps other people get their own gigs, which yeah. is such an awesome thing. It's such an interesting <laughs> thing, I feel like. Depending so, on how it helps you or not. <laughs> A lot of bitter people out there, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, how do you how do you make that jump? Like, what led you to decide to do that? To say, like, I'm going to help a lot of other people, like, give them this menu. Well, I mean, part of it was um, I've been doing it for a while. I um, at this point, I mean, right now I've been doing it for ten years, and um, and about I think about three years ago I, I started going to festivals and just really enjoyed them as a comedy fan and um, and I decided that Phoenix really needed one. So, so there's I, nothing before this? There's a few. Um, apparently, uh, I was talking to Tony Visage, who runs uh, the uh, Comedy School in Tempe. And um, he, he said he ran one maybe like 2005, 2006. But like, he said he only ran it for years. And, so, and there's also uh, the Phoenix Improv Festival. It's been going on for 16 years. It's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. As of that time we're recording this. It's not, you've already mentioned it. Yeah. Like, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. So I I didn't really um, there really wasn't much for stand up though, and we have a really big scene here, and it was like we I mean it's a big scene in Phoenix, it's a big scene in Tucson, uh, Prescott, and like and Flagstaff also have burgeoning scenes as well. So yeah, like I I felt like yeah we should have a festival. So um, well first. Oh, speaking of Flagstaff, I uh, Ryan Stalder started the uh, the Big Pine Comedy Festival, and I was like, I would love to help. So I basically just helped a lot with that. 
Yeah, so, that, that's a recent one too, right? That just started, started the last couple of years. Yeah, that started uh, 2014, 2015. Yeah. And so were you there kind of from the Genesis? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, you told me you wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, I volunteered. Like, basically did everything from like submissions to design. So <laughs> how do you... How do you even know what to do when you're getting into that situation? Like, do you guys just talk to other people who have already done it, or do you just jump in and kind of figure it out as you go? Like, it's, how does that work? It's really a mix of both. I mean, <laughs> it's part of, like, what gets you on stage is just, like, a healthy amount of delusion. <laughs> but you can just do this. So you just kind of go, okay, how do I, how do I get people to how do I do a submission form? How do I get people to sign up? Like unsecured <laughs> venues, how do you yeah. get talent? Yeah, that's yeah. So nice. I mean mostly with venues it's just talking to people and money. So <laughs> <laughs> which I agree is probably easier said than done. The name of your like self help book, like talking to people and money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean yeah, like I mean a lot of it was um, and I, I did take pine and that, that went pretty well. So I um, decided to, right after it ended, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do a comedy festival in Phoenix, I want to do it in spring. It's October now. So if I want to do it this spring, I should start right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, man. That is a short time like for something. That's it, awesome. It, it was. Uh, I basically just I got a website together, uh, submissions form. Got some volunteers to kind of bounce ideas off of, and, uh, and just started advertising. And like, uh, you know, and I've, I've done some, you know, I've done a couple festivals too at that point. So like, I had some people to talk to about getting started. I had seen, you know, festivals for scan, so I had some ideas on like how to how to run a festival. But a lot of it is just learning on the fly. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much that you're just like, okay, how do I talk to agents? Um, um, yeah, like which, that. yeah. And that, I mean, and it was a huge success. It sounds like it went really well from everything that seems. I mean, yeah. there were there were people that were like my college friends that were doing. I like they they had posts like, I'm going to be the first city. And then I, it was really cool. I don't know to see all that come together after first hearing about it recently. And so. Uh, you, you kind of created this whole thing. It, it became this deal. Um, I, I want to kind of go back to like talent too. So, you, as the producer of the festival, did you kind of have final say as to who was going to be there? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I did have a crew of people that were helping with submissions, and um, and then that was and we basically we we took submissions and um, we got about. 
that was I I, I kind of cut my teeth with that with Big Pine because uh, I was on the submissions committee. Yeah. Um. So, but it was. You know, like, we kind of learn what to do and what not to do. I mean, one thing, too, is, um, I mean, if you're on a submissions committee, you're watching so many videos. And if you're a comic watching them, you're probably watching them all in a few days. <laughs> Which I didn't do. I, I, I spared myself that, but I tried to do maybe, like, 20 a day. You know? So, I can drive myself insane. But... You're you're trying to um, you really want to get into the funny really fast. I mean, and just really let them know. You want a set that lets them know who you are, and like really the best you can do. You want to perform in like a place you really feel comfortable and like um, you know a good audience that really gets you. Really, I mean, I, it is. There's a reason why it's hard to get a good video. Is it hard to say no to the people who like you had to give a low rating to? You know what? Um, what's hardest is that there's so many people that I love, that I've done. Yeah. and that's hard because you kind of have to like eat, like festivals. And like, there's lots of people that I love. But I just like, I mean, but I, I do make the decision with the committee that you know, like, and basically you have to take it apart. Like, who else we decided to have? as well yeah. and make it kind of a complimentary uh, like basically lineup so it's okay. yeah so there are lots of people like I mean it's not like if you get objected from a festival like people who are throwing darts at your phone yeah. so. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's all for the greater good yeah um, I mean and for the most part like I mean I'd say most of the most of the submissions are really really good yeah, like it's, it's, it was a really hard decision. I'm sure people are glad to know that. Yeah, like, I really suffered over it. I, I lost <laughs> sleep over this. Like, I want everyone to know. <laughs> <laughs> because all of these now. As long as it's happening. Um, okay, so let's just kind of jump back to where we were talking a little bit about before. So, um, how to find an opportunities when you first came out here. You uh, had to kind of claw your way into the, the first few sets to sound like, or at least like prove yourself a little. Yeah. I mean, part of it is, um, I also, um, I, I was a stand-up kind of before the Facebook era, too, yeah. and it was, like, hard to find out about shows, because, like, basically all the shows that I knew about when I first moved here were, like, what's in the newspaper? That was interesting to think about. Yeah, so like, it was like, if it's not in Phoenix sometimes, I don't really know about it, like, <laughs> so a lot of it was, but the thing is, too, though, if you go and you do reasonably well, like, I, I went, I did well, and people were like, oh, yeah, you can go to this show, this is Dan White here, you know, like, basically, people open up to you right away, it's just, you have to know, you have to do that way. It, it is tough, though, like, when you're breaking into a city, and, and I I know that people sometimes will go to a city and it's, and they you kind of get that arms crossed reception that we're all famous for, and and don't do it. And I, I say just break through. Just go. Okay. Well, I'll sign up for this open mic and I'll do great, and you'll put me on other shows. And Let the work speak for itself. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> That's a really good positive outlook. Okay. Um, so, 
you were performing here for a couple of years, and then you, I saw on uh, like your website and stuff that you also you played around a little bit with improv. And stuff. So is that something that you've always done? Like you did monologist stuff? Or um, local I really haven't done so much improv. Is I I, uh, I worked a lot with uh, Torch Theater, yeah, um, long form improv uh, theater in town, and uh, I I've done um, yeah I've done quite a bit of the uh, the neighborhood where you. Basically, you, you tell a monologue, and, uh, and they do improv. And, uh, Is that something that comes pretty natural, then, just being able to, I mean, riff, basically? Well, like, a lot of that, for me, is, I mean, especially with the neighborhood, is more like just telling, it's like telling stories from your life that inspires improv. So, like, like, we have a really great improv scene, so I really like working with those people. And, I mean, I'd say the most improv I really do is maybe uh, on my own podcast, with, with Thank You For Being A Podcast, because that is, I mean, basically we watch episodes of Golden Girls and we kind of discuss it, and it's, like, it's basically just like a free-form conversation. And it's yeah. really funny, I definitely want to talk about what we'll oh, that later, yes. Because, um, I mean... As somebody who's like, I, I used to watch Golden Girls. It's like sometimes it was always one of those shows that was like always reliably good that I could just like turn on if even if there's nothing else on, you could watch it. But it's something that I never like devotedly watched. But like, you guys do a really good job of dissecting it and like making you want to just like watch Golden Girls after you're done. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is yeah. like we're we're celebrating it, but we're also making fun of it. And we have guests on that are like hardcore fans, but we have a lot of guests on that have never seen it. And, like they're we're showing them like their first episode. And like part of it is I mean it's part of, it's part of the show, but part of it is just people experiencing like this cultural touchstone <laughs> and like seeing like what it brings up for them. In the, in the episodes I tried to kind of spread out the ones that I was listening to. But a running theme in them was uh, even if somebody was like a big fan of it, they always seem to comment on like, wow, I didn't realize the writing was that good. The writing is really <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, it is. Especially for, I mean, the 80s when there weren't, there wasn't like an emphasis on like a sitcom Bible so much. No. Yeah, I mean, this is, we're not quite in the golden era of television. <laughs> I, I don't want to knock Golden Girls for that, but it is a bit, we do have top-notch actresses. Uh, we have older women on TV, which is still a rare thing. Yeah. It was much rarer back then. Yeah. I feel like the closest show nowadays that like seems to be actively trying to replicate it is like Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like they're just old ladies who are just pals who are just hanging out, living life type of thing. Yeah, I I'd say like maybe like feud a little bit with um, okay. with um, the Joan Crawford Betty Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, I mean, that's another, that's, those are two women in their 60s that are top-notch actors and basically have, like, a, a top-person film and barely get work afters. It's crazy. I haven't actually yes. seen that show yet. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I have, a, I have an yes. issue, like, supporting Ryan Murphy that much because I don't, I, I don't know. You know what? I, I, I hear you. Like, um, because I'm not really... I kind of knew him as the American uh, horror story guy. Yeah. I'm not really a horror person. Um, so it was, I, I watched a few episodes and I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I never watched anything. I watched uh, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. That was really good. Actually. It was, it's fantastic. And like he, 
I mean, he kind of brings that yes. camp that he brings to American Horror Story to uh, both Feud and O.J. Simpson, and it works fantastic. Like, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So, you jump back to the comedy a little bit, so I'll talk about the podcast more later. Um, okay, so you didn't play too much with improv. I mean, is that something that you had an interest in doing? Oh, yeah. Um, I would I would love to do it. It's mostly just time. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I, I've taken, like, an improv class here and there. But, um, and I've done, I think maybe the closest thing on stage is um, I do um, the switch sometimes. Oh, um, wow. Which, uh, it's a Polly show where you, uh, you basically... People text in topics, and then you have to come up with stand-up on the spot. Yeah, no, I was talking with another comedian about that. It sounds like it's so stressful. I mean, <laughs> but it's super fun. It's, 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 well, it's really short. Like, you really only have, like, four minutes up there. Uh-huh. And, like, the way I see it is, I mean, really nothing really that bad just happened to you in four minutes. Okay. Yeah, like, I mean... I've, I've definitely had good sets there. I've definitely had not so great sets there. <laughs> I've definitely driven down to Tucson. Not so great sets there. But, but it's really fun. And like part of the fun is, um, I mean, when you're, you don't have to prepare any jokes. That's true. So you don't have to go in thinking, like, this one with this, and you do this, and you close with this. Like, you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever happens, happens. Just kind of trusting your own talents, your own whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, like, it's, it's really fun. Like there's an improv game that's like this is a warm up game a lot called Rant, where you just kind of yeah do stream of consciousness. People jump in and complain about a topic, and then they use that as another. Have you done that before? Um, I've not really done that. No, are you improv? A little bit in college, a little bit, but yeah, it's it seems like a similar concept where everyone's just like up there, uh, like you start with one topic. Someone complains about it until someone else cuts them off, takes something from that, and moves forward with it. And yeah, you pretty much just have to decide what you feel about that right there and you're just like oh that's maybe not accurate but let's go with it okay <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of it is arguing in and i mean and then also being like you know what i retract my entire argument <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah really, it's really an enjoyable show to do um, yeah and you created a couple of other shows too so I, I might be wrong in that order, but but the snark show came first, right? Yeah, that was um, that was actually based off of uh, I was there was a, a show that uh, that um, Jimmy Pardo did, um, and uh, it's it's based off that. So uh, like basically, like he has he has uh, like the panel comments that write jokes for him while comments go up. And um, so I, I decided we needed something like that. So I, I think the official name of that show was Right On. I changed it a couple of times. But, uh, yeah, so 
Break down your like concept a little bit more on this. So, how did it work exactly? So basically, like um, we have like a, a panel comment um, that kind of preside over the show, and um, and they write like snarky comments, like and it's really it can, mostly it's focused on the comic that's going up, <laughs> but it can be about the host, it can be about um, the audience, it can be about you know just the show. It's just, and part of it, it's part roast show, and I wanted to do it this way because then people would give, like, a, it would, people would go up and it kind of give them a reference for the comic. Oh, that makes sense. And, um, so basically the comics go up, and then the host read from after we're, we're done. So is it like a panel that you pick, like, every night that goes up and does it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not just, like, audience members, it's other comics? Yeah, we've got other comics. We've had some people that are like comedy adjacent to. Um, like, uh, one of my favorite directors of all time is uh, Christy Geary, who used to run the, uh, the Tipple Your Bone show up in North Phoenix. And, uh, and then also used to run There's a Show of uh, Ice Cream for a long time. Um, it was right by, it was like a bar and next to an ice cream. I'm trying to remember what it was called because <laughs> it, it unfortunately closed a couple years ago it was really, that's where it started um, yeah, that was, she was really great she knows a lot of the comics really like, so she's just around it and I think she's just particularly funny so really funny and she helped produce a lot of those shows and a lot of those people so like got their number really fast yeah awesome. that's, that's, I feel like as a comic I mean as an audience member that's got to be like amazing to see it's good but as a comic that's Got to be almost again, kind of like your worst nightmare. Like, it, you have people you're doing up there performing your set, but you know that there's essentially like hecklers in the crowd, and all of the hecklers are professional comics who are there to make you like point out all of the discrepancies in your set. It's like, oh god, it's, it's uh, what's that one? It's like a legal show that they, they do in town, or it's like the lawyer runs it. Oh yeah, they, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a lot. Yeah, it's, there's a, a lot of similarities between. Um, which I've, I've been a co-counsel on that as well a couple oh times and um, yeah a lot of it is you get to you get interrupted at any time with a snarky comment uh, you know and it's really fun um, and, and then you they also have the, the rebuttal including remarks at the end. <laughs> I think those those type of shows they've got to be. I mean, they've got to be a lot of fun to do, but also at the same time, it's like, oh Jesus, what are they gonna like? This is my my legitimately good material. I really hope they don't tear it apart. Well, I think a lot of it too is we got people that we really try to get people that are on board with the concept of like you're getting made fun of, and they might say something that will hurt your feelings. You know, you can't really take it personally. Yeah, that's kind of like a comedian's like <laughs> general life, right? That's more or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's uh, like I mean, I've done like uh, there's snack battles too, which is like roast battles, and uh, people have to write roast jokes. I'm like, I feel like because they don't do a set before that, they don't know. A lot of it's on their appearance and what people can see. And like, what I want to do is have the. <laughs> I guess mine is crueler if I think about it. <laughs> it was like I want you to like show more of your personality, humanize yourself, so you can really. <laughs> Tell us exactly how to hurt you. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I think it's really. Right. Is that something that you still do? Yeah, every once in a while. It's been a little while. I think I haven't done one since Big Pie last year. But, um, yeah, just do one. Uh, two. <laughs> there you go, you're ready to hear first. <laughs> um, okay, and then the living room show came after that. So, where did that idea come from? I mean, I've heard of living room shows in general, but to actually kind of take that on and do it. That's another thing. Um, I've been seeing like house shows, like kind of all over. And I mean, uh, my husband's a musician, yeah. so um, we'd actually been to house shows, and I just thought this is really cool. It's like a really intimate space, you know, food, and and just basically have you know like a, like a really nice boutique show. So we actually the first show we did was uh, we did uh, music and comedy, and, okay. and uh, I opened. And then uh, Jason Hill did a set, and then Eliza Rickman, um, really great um, musician out of LA, who's uh, done, gone on to do work with uh, Welcome to Night Bell. Oh, cool. And uh, she actually toured with them in Europe. So she did a she did a house show, and then we did um, we do a show about four times a year. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So like. And it's just really nice. Uh, some of it's like visiting comics. Some of it's um, like we did um, his house. Um, I used to host a show at the very beginning of the year. Where it, would, um, it was a new material show where basically comics had to go up and do five minutes of brand new material. And so his um, house unfortunately closed at the very end of uh, 2015. So at the very beginning of 2016, I hosted a material show. I feel like that's great too, though, because I mean, that's to, as a, I'm sure as a comedian, like to walk into a show like that and know that you have five minutes to work out your new material with an audience who's already on board with the idea that it's all new material and that you are working it out. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of really nice. Yeah, it's really great, and it's like, um, like I, I wish we had something like that. Um, unfortunately, Hidden House is R.I.P. and I kind of wish we had more of that in the city. Like, it's just a good idea. Just, I mean, it's basically like, I mean, how it usually works with new material is you kind of work it in with old material. Sure. At least that's how I do it. You have some like safe ones that you know can bring people back in. And, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really fun to go through all new stuff. To like, all right, what am I, what am I holding off on writing for this? Yeah. So, another thing I want to ask you about as somebody who has created a couple of their own like styles of shows and like put their own shows together and leading on to your own festival, I mean, why don't more people do that? <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of work to do anything really, and it's a lot of risk. And part of with, with any comedy show, it's like, okay, I have this idea, but will people show up to it? And um, I mean, that was that was always my my you know concern with the the festival. Was like, all right, I've got all these I've got all these great names signed on, uh, and the venues signed on. Is anyone going to come? And luckily, people did. You know? Well, how did you get over that? What are, again, those first steps? I mean, I mean, part of it is trying to, you know, try to do every advertising, you know, talking to people and, and just doing whatever you can. Yeah, like, I mean, but yeah, 
I think part of it is you just kind of have to do it. You just really kind of have to do it and just figure it out as you go. Yeah. I love that. Okay, because that's, again, I, I can't imagine, like, just taking on that test, that kind of task on an impulse, but I can imagine, like, a lot of comics have that urge to, you know, they have an idea for, oh, we should do a show like this with this gimmick or with this kind of set. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, I mean, I, it's, it's got to be kind of a scary thing, but at the same time, I feel like everyone wants to do it, so it, you just kind of have to get over the hump. Yeah, I mean, you just, you have to be a doer, I think, uh, to kind of make things happen, and, you know, and Basically, if you find a venue, you find a, you know performers to agree to do the show. That's like most of the battle. So, how do you find venues, even as just a performer looking to get time? How do you? Yeah, no, you you started off like reading the newspaper, but how do you find places that you're comfortable performing and that kind of work with you? You just kind of have to do them. Like you, you just have to do them, and you have to do them a couple times. And like, especially when you're first starting out, you really kind of shouldn't say no to any of the venues. Like you really should do just any place and you see how, you, how it goes. And like, it's even even ten years in, it's hard to predict your success at a different place. You know, that you haven't been before, and like who you meet there and. Really, like former wise or fan wise or what goes out of it, and um, I mean, even if you go to a place and don't do well, you might learn something from not doing well in a certain place. So, so when you first decided to make the jump into comedy, was it? I mean, how did you decide where you were going to do your first set? At this point? Well, in Oklahoma, there's really only two options so real options and um a couple of my friends had started the, the mic and the fellows so i figured and honestly like thinking back it was like i'm probably gonna do this more that was that was really um i was kind of going through a tough time back then i was, I was going through like a breakup and I had a lot to say. Yeah, it was my senior year of college, and I was just like, all right, I'm now or never. So, so I, I came up with some jokes and tried it out, and it went really well. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I could do this again. Awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> so how how long were you thinking about doing it before you actually did it? Um. You know, really not that long because um, there really wasn't much of a scene in Oklahoma when I, for a long time, would be at the club, and it didn't really occur to me until maybe like around 2006. I went and saw a, a, a show of local comics, like a, like a showcase, and I was like, local comics, like people like me can just go up and do this. I didn't really know that was a thing. I mean, culture, like, comedy culture really wasn't, um, really wasn't everywhere at this time. Like, now I think most major cities have like saturated, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, Oklahoma City today, like, you know, there's an open mic or a showcase, like, every night. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just grown by leaps and bounds. But, I mean... As a comedy fan, even somebody that like sought out comedy all the time, I was like, I remember like going to the show in 2006 and being like, Lord, oh wow, okay, so these are 
These are local comics. They're like developing their craft in town. And they're like writing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're fine. Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were you were kind of shocked that the people were able to just kind of go up and do it. So yeah, made it that much more real, I guess. Yeah. So like, um, you know, like I, I basically just kind of okay. one day I was like, all right, why don't I sign up for this show and do a few minutes? How long were you like working your material when you decided? No, um, I mean probably really about a week. <laughs> I think I think like over a week, really. But I mean, a lot of it is. I think when you first start, like you, I mean, you have that reserve. I think a lot of people that really want to do it, like probably have like a good five to ten minutes of jokes they've been like tossing around in their head. Just but, kind of gathering it all out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I did, I did about five minutes. I think my first time. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do any of those jokes now, but, but the, I did well, I got, I got, you know, I mean, of course, I mean, also, it's like, it's my first time, guys, and I had friends in the audience, and it always helps. Yeah. Yeah. You have to kind of have those nights and tell those jokes before yeah. you can tell the jokes that are good and funny. But yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, and I, five minutes is, I mean, for people who maybe haven't thought about doing it at all, like, that's that's a lot of time up on stage. People don't realize how long five minutes can take when it's just you and you're supposed to be funny for that whole time. Yeah, I mean, um, I did have um, a really awkward thing happen when I was, um, like, a few months in. I'd been, um, I'd been dating this guy. Uh, um, he was, he was... He was really nice, but it was like a very casual dating situation where it was like we would go on a date like maybe every two weeks. Oh. He didn't he didn't live like in town. So like so like and we didn't really like text him between. So there was like no traction in the So like I kind of forgot. <laughs> He was another. He was a comic too. Is his first. Oh, it was his first. Say, I'm just gonna do stand up, and I'm like, oh dear, like not. Uh, yeah. So like he does, he does stand up, which is like all one big story. Yeah. Which I would, I definitely advise against doing like, the first time. Oh yeah. At, at like an open mic, like and uh, and it did not go well. Poor guy. He's so nice. I feel so bad. I feel like this is like an episode of a sitcom for you. <laughs> like, I, yeah, but I, I kind of like, yeah, so I had to kind of like send, uh, I, I don't know exactly what I said to the other guy that I was interested in. I, I never saw the guy, so oh, no. it probably wasn't great. So. <laughs> um, and then I was just like, oh yeah, I guess we gotta hang out now. <laughs> and, so bad. It was, wow. yeah. And you didn't even do well. <laughs> That's a bummer. I know. You couldn't even be dating the good comic. Oh, man. I, I mean, it was, in fairness, it was his first and last time that I know of. <laughs> so I just was like, oh, okay, alright, we'll, we'll hang out. And... <laughs> 
Also, uh, don't invite people that you're dating to your open rights. Um, really? You just, that's not like a supportive thing? Or you want to do that? No? Not, not like, I don't know, less than six months in. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make sure it's not going anywhere. I think in general, like, don't invite people to your open rights. Um, like, invite people to the show. But, like, I don't know. Uh, Oklahoma, like, I didn't really know. I didn't really, I was like, I'm doing things. I didn't really done income if you want. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a question I wanted to ask, too. Um, I mean, what is, like, the different feeling? Like, how does how is it different to be performing at, like, an open mic versus just, like, a normal club show versus, like, a festival? I mean, some, it really depends on like how comfortable you are. I mean, an open mic can be really great if it's really packed with people, and particularly not necessarily with all comics. Like, I mean, I've had some really great open mic shows, um, but um, as opposed to like a book show or like a comic, or like a, a like a comedy club show, you probably have several people in the audience, and uh, it's pretty pretty filled, um, and you're doing like established material, and, uh, and so usually it goes pretty great, <laughs> that's always the hope. I've had some good shows that haven't gone so well, but it's not always the it happens to everybody. Like, if it happens to Brian Regan, it'll happen to you. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, and like a festival, what's kind of fun about a festival is, I mean, part of it is you're doing sets and a lot of it is networking. A lot of it is, you know, like you're hanging out with comics and you're, you're meeting other comics and you're becoming friends and basically like, and you have friends when you go to other cities or when they come to your city again. How long were you performing before you decided to start trying to get like paid gigs and festival gigs, stuff like that, out-of-town gigs? Maybe. Um, well, I got some paid pieces in town about um, two years in. Wow, okay. Yeah, I mean... Was that something you were actively pushing for, or did someone just come to you and be like, hey, I like your stuff? No, it was something, um, I mean, in town, I there was a club that uh, that would pay you for opening, so I, I did cool. I did a few of those, and um, yeah, that was that was good. It was not super consistent, but yeah, but it's always nice to have you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know have your drinks paid for or whatever. Yeah, yeah just something just kind of satisfying, and gratifying about getting paid to it in a way. Yeah. Um, You were just in Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just in Nashville for the uh, Broken Record Comedy Festival. So how did that happen? Did they come to you? Did you come to them? Well, actually, I did. Um, I did the Altercation Comedy Festival in Austin, uh, which is Ricky Habershat runs that, um, and I was I was on that. And then there were a couple of comics that run the uh, the Broken Record Comedy Show in Nashville, and they put something in the group like you're on the show, go ahead and apply, and you know, like, we have it. And basically, the Broken Records uh, Comedy Festival is, um, it's like, 
it's it's a 24 hour comedy festival for I think it's like eight hours and like it's like eight I'm sorry eight days and like five hours. For, it's continuous. It's it's a it's a world record for the world's longest comedy show, and it's the third year third year they do it. So every year they do it a little bit longer. Yeah. That's so I did I did three sets during my week there. And, um, the first set was at uh one forty in the afternoon. Um the second set was at three o'clock in the morning. And then my my third set was I think at like seven forty at night. And, uh, so is it just like a, like a rotating stable of comics and doing it? So uh-huh. okay. Yeah. So they, they have comics in town, they have people that come from out of town, they have people that like drop in and do sets, like uh, uh, Nate Rogoski did one, um, in the past they've had guests like Hannibal Burris. Um, at the same time what's going on is uh, the Wild West Comedy Festival, which is, um, this year I think they had guests like um, Pat Oswalt and Mel Mangiani. So they might drop in and do That's awesome. Yeah. So, so, alright, so were you doing like applying for shows like that for a long time then? Or, I mean, have you. Um, I've, I've been applying for like the last couple of years for like different festivals that I want to do. And like, that was just suggested to me, and I was like, I, I like Nashville, like, one of my good friends lives there. That's a lovely time to visit. I'd love to get some hot chicken. So. <laughs> is it uh, an intimidating thing to like be in a strange city for just that one event and hopefully it all goes well type of thing? I think part of it is I like I I kind of see it as a vacation. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean I go and I'm like I just want to have a good time and um, and like basically I just went and. You went for the chicken, and like, coincidentally, <laughs> you got to do some comedy. I mean, yeah, and it, it was like, I and mean, it was good for comedy too because you get you get a lot of stage time. I got I got an hour combined of stage time at this festival, uh, which is which is unusual. Were you doing the same set? No, I did I did slightly different sets, and actually, if I had gone longer, and if I go again, what's kind of cool is like there are people that. Especially since you're doing so many sets that are long, you they kind of encourage you to do more experimental stuff. Yeah. And I think next time if I go, I would I would do more experimental like and like avant garde kind of stuff. So like, yeah, it was really fun. I, I really encourage anyone um, to apply. Now, I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting concept for the show, and they have kind of their game that comes. How important do you feel like it is to like have a gimmick as like a show or a festival? Because I mean, the Stark Show's got their thing, um, the sort of projection has its thing. Like, how important do you feel like that is to get people? Out of the show? I feel like um, the concept does really help with advertising the show, and um, I mean, but you also have to have a good show. You have to have good talent on the show. So there's also yes. things like just like talent, cool people butts in the seats <laughs> but um yeah i i think it does help it's yeah. not always necessary but as a comic is it ever kind of like frustrating or like you ever see it as an obstacle to be on someone's show and it's like okay but you have to do all your jokes backwards yeah i mean sometimes as as fun as it is sometimes to do something new sometimes it's like oh i better write a whole seven minutes for this <laughs> 
I'm like, that's that's not exactly like, I mean, that's probably a couple days work at least, really, if, if you want to do it right. So, yeah. Just got to find that balance of like which ones are worth it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, I mean, yeah. I mean, if it's a well-produced show, then it's usually worth it. Like, I mean, you can write some new stuff. I can be colleagues on stage. And, <laughs> That goes back to kind of the avant-garde thing you were talking about, like, how long did it take you to feel like you had a voice and, like, you had your style down? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> not know. there yet. I, yeah, I'm not. I, I do feel like um, it, it took me a while. I used to be really nervous on the stage. Um, I don't really come from the performing background. Um, I took a drama class in high school. And it's about so, like, I, I was doing this, and I was like, I like writing jokes to see how this goes. And so a lot of it was learning on stage and seeing what other people do. And, um, yeah, I'd say it took me a couple of years to get uh, comfortable on stage, where it's pretty comfortable with everything like that. I would never guess that. I saw your performance in Weekend of Bernie's 3, and you were very <laughs> natural. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, my parents showed that to my grandma, who, who I think has seen, like, three things on the internet tops. And she was, she got really concerned. She's like, is Jimmy okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't really dead, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, Grandma, I'm propping up the dead person. My grandma's awesome. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah. when, uh, so you, you explored some new things there. So you, you got to do some video stuff. I mean, have you thought about doing more, like, multimedia type of stuff incorporating into comedy? Or? Yeah, um, I mean, I, um, I've done a little bit of sketch, I did, I did some sketch work, um, I'm not really an actor, this doesn't yeah. really interest me that much, um, so, I'd rather write a sketch and see other people that are more talented than I, uh, carry it out, um, but, yeah. It's an interesting thing, like, um, I don't know, do you ever listen to, like, Mark Maron's podcast, and uh, that he was interviewing Baron Bond? And he said that when he first saw him perform stand-up, like, he could tell that he was, like, an actor doing stand-up. So, is that something that you can, like, <laughs> see, like, you think about, or? Yeah, Baron Vaughn, I think, went to Yeah, I think, yeah. That he did, like, he was, uh, I think he was a junior, I didn't actually, but. Um, I didn't listen to that interview, but I didn't. Oh, well, he was, he's at the umbrage of that, because he said he's been doing comedy for, like, 20 years, but, um. But, but is that something as as a comic you you would like to have that divide? Like there's actors and there's comics, or no, can you kind of tell the difference? No, honestly, like there, I feel like there's some comics that are really good actors. I just I feel like I'm not one of them. That's really that's really my only objection. Okay. I don't feel like I'm a good actor. I don't feel like I have I don't feel like I have the interest in it or like training in it to do it well. I feel like other people do and good on them. Like, I feel like that's great. Um, but, yeah. Thank you, man. You're welcome. Uh, okay, so, I mean, when did the idea for the podcast come about? Because that's a whole other side of things, too, and that's almost performing as well. That's, uh, well, um, my good friend Anthony, um, he, he came to me with a, like, we were talking about podcasts. We were just kind of, like, throwing around podcasts, I Because we had talked about doing something that I think of. The original idea was to you watch sad movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I've watched, and I, I, and I was 
and I was like, and then we started talking about the Golden Girls. And we're like, at the time there was no Golden Girls to talk about. Yeah. We're like, and we started talking about how much we watched the kids and like movies, and um, he was he was born here but lived in Mexico for a lot of his childhood, and I think he came here. Um, like, basically, like he learned English from like watching TV. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, and specifically from like shows like The Golden Rose and like, Frasier. <laughs> so, and I used to just watch as a child. Like I, which was, I mean, as an unsupervised child of the eighties and nineties, I would just like watch a lot of TV. Yeah. So I, I watched Golden Girls when it was on. Every Saturday night, and all the other uh, related shows like Empty Nest and uh, and Nurses. And <laughs> you want like the spin off of the spin off? Spin off. I, you know, somehow I never watched Golden Palace. Really? Yeah, and I, and some people suggested we're we're almost at the end of our uh, of our series run. We're on, we're on season six and there are seven seasons. And some people have suggested we watch Golden Palace. That'll be a new take on it because it'll be you, know, you kind of being it as your first time. Has Anthony watched Golden Palace? Or? I don't think he has. Oh, like, that's we really like. I think the most knowledge we have is from like people telling us it was. Um, like I and I, I talked to uh, Bob Cut Wolfrey, who was on who was on the show, and he was. I asked him if he would ever want to be interviewed for our show. <laughs> Which is fair. But uh, I was just like, I don't know. I think about Golden Girls is I feel like the reason why I want to do it um, as opposed to a lot of other shows yeah. is I feel like it's a it's a good show that a lot of people can relate to. I don't want to do... Like really, an okay show? I don't want to do an okay, okay to bad show. Yeah. Because I feel like then it's becoming like the dog show. Oh, and then it's it's depressing to me as someone who has to watch it and make fun of it, which is what I'm gonna yeah. have to do. And I don't want to do that, like, and and that's the same. As much as I like, there's a podcast um, about Saved by the Bell called Go Bayside, which is fantastic. But I'm also like, oh man, I need to watch like hundreds of episodes about Saved by the Bell. Yeah, it's not a good show. No. I, I, never into it but that's that's one thing like i was mentioning before like you can it gets you excited about watching the golden girls because you guys can tell how much you legitimately just enjoy it like you guys are talking about the characters like you've now kind of analyzed them pretty well and you, you're actually invested and it makes you invested so i can see that why you wouldn't want to kind of have that tarnish i guess yeah so i i guess yeah i don't know we've talked about like other shows we might do i think probably the the most attractive contender would be Frasier. Yeah. So there's not really, um, I don't think there's a Frasier podcast, as far as I know. That's oh, surprising. I should mention there is another Golden Girls podcast. I did see that listed in iTunes, but yeah. oh, fuck them. So <laughs> they, um, yeah, we, we kind of suggested that in like, a crossover episode, we found out about the other no, <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, like legitimately the competition to them. Wow, that's a bummer. I don't know. It's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, was it was it natural when you started doing the podcast then? I mean, as as just like a conversation, as like a, a media for yourself? Like, 
was it weird to start doing it or did it seem pretty awesome? I think it's always weird to start a podcast. It's, I mean, as, as you probably know, you would just have to start somewhere and that's really with anything. You just have to like start talking and see how it goes. Worst comes to worst, you can just not release the episode. Okay. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts is that there's literally no stakes. Like you can just do it until you don't want to do it anymore, and it's yeah. done. You don't even have to have an audience. Like I'm pretty sure the only person who listens to mine is my wife, and only because like I have to sit with her and be like, "Did you listen to it yet?" <laughs> uh, so I yeah, mean, it's beautiful. When we first started, we were just like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll see how this goes, and probably our friends will listen to it." And um, yeah, and um, and but eventually it grows. I mean, we've had. The people that we don't know that uh, you know, like we had one woman that was uh, she was very sick. She was in the hospital. And she was just like listening to podcasts. Oh my god! Discover podcasts. And she became, like one of our biggest fans. Wow. And you saved her life. <laughs> we literally wow. saved her life with our um, grab assy conversation. So that comment on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, we we do get the occasional negative comment, which has been rare, but I mean, just because we're not super high profile, but like we had one that we we decided to write to Anthony specifically because there's too much grab ass thing on the podcast. And I'm like, that is basically the cornerstone of all we do is just grab ass And who has like not to. You know, it's a little bit of all anyway, but like, who has like a standard for Golden Girls review podcasts? Like, who listens no. to what somebody reviewing the Golden Girls and it's just like, this isn't what I wanted. This is not no, up to that. I really don't. Ethan and I don't really purport to be like experts on the Golden right. Girls. Like, a lot of these episodes I saw when I was 11, and I'm watching them again as a 35 year old. And like, it's kind of like my perspective on it and like, and then also like perspective of our guests and like a lot of that is they'll kind of start on a, a thread and we'll continue it and, and that's just how we go. Like it's really just more like a conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I think it's all fun. Uh, but Ken's jumping off my own transition to um so you, you mentioned that earlier, like, before we started recording that you've been married for um, just about two years you've been married, but you've been together longer, right? We've been uh, married for four years. Four years, I'm sorry. And, and we've been together by eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So is that ever, like, an interesting dynamic when you are doing, like, these big shows and we are traveling for work? I mean, how, does it ever kind of affect you, like, as a comedian? Well, I, I've been in a relationship. I mean, before that, I was, um, I was engaged for life for about a year and a half. Um, so for most of my comedy career, I've been serious. So I, I've dated uh, no comics, despite what some comics will say. <laughs> I've, I've heard some rumors where people are like, oh, I love it. I'm like, no, we went to an open mic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. he's not a performer at all. He's not in the comedy scene. Uh, he's a he's a musician. He's a, oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a jazz guitarist, and he's a he's a concert agent. Yeah. So, so, um, it's he understands. What's kind of nice about that is he understands performing. He understands like basically like throughout late nights, some gigs are better than others. Like basically like, and he's, he's seen a lot of the shows. I think he's been to I'd say probably about. 
that's really awesome because I mean, that's something that they kind of always drilled into us. Like when we like were in school for a theater and stuff, is that like you kind of have to be with a performer, be with someone who's on the field, but to kind of have them get what's what you're dealing with because otherwise you're speaking a whole different language half the time and you're away from them all the time and they don't get it. Um, but then on the other side, like sometimes you just want to get away from that world all totally. So yeah. it seems like you found a nice happy medium of someone who's like in a related thing, but like is not a comedian. It's not going to be like ripping with you all night. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Al Madrigal said it best with like one headshot per household. <laughs> about it is yeah we do um because we do have different fields yeah. i mean basically i get to see the music world as well i go to a lot of these performances and like, a lot of my friends are awesome musicians um i'm not just hanging out with comics all the time but i mean we get it we're kind of in um you know uh complimentary worlds i think um yeah affinity markets I think is, is, <laughs> Uh, in North Phoenix, 
Um, doing that on uh, Wednesday, May the 10th. Okay. I think yeah. that might be when this one comes out, so it'll okay. be perfect for okay. people there. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then, uh, I'm also doing, um, my co-host um, has a show in LA called The Feel <laughs> at the uh, Hollywood Improv, and it's basically the viewer goes set, but they have a wheel, and um, it gives you an emotion. Wow! Oh wow! That's super interesting. I think that's gonna be. Um, God, I'm so sorry. I don't have any concrete dates. It's like May we'll 9th. Yeah. We'll get it posted. Yeah. Okay, cool. And Anthony's performing at that? That's about you're just kind of yeah. doing that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Any other like, consistent shows you want to plug? Anything like that? Twitter? Oh, yeah. Um, you can find me at Genevieve Rice on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, G-E-N-E-V-I-E-V-R-I-C-E. We've got the right stuff. Okay. Um, and then last thing i like to ask everybody, um, just kind of wrap it up, is looking back, like if someone were to try and do what you do, like starting today, someone wanted to jump into the comedy scene in Phoenix, what's one piece of advice you really want to give them? I mean, basically just uh, push through for the, the, the crossed arms and keep doing what you're doing and perform as much as possible. And uh, yeah, just keep writing new material and have a good time. Yeah, definitely have a good time. Like, yeah, it should be fun. Push through, keep writing, have a good time. I love it. Yeah. Hi, Tanita, but thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. If you enjoyed this episode, show your support by checking us out on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and Google Play. And if you or someone you know is an artist in the Phoenix area who'd be interested in coming on the podcast, or if you just want to tell us how great we are, write us at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com. Again, that's starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.